You're listening to season two of Love Life Millennials. Have a listen and enjoy. Alright, this episode was quite a bump for me because I actually had recorded this with a friend of mine who has comprehensively talked about his advices and inputs on finance. But for some reason, the file on my phone was corrupted. This is the first time that happened after almost 60 episodes. I can't believe it. I don't know how it happened. But well, I learned my lesson. I really need to back it up as soon as I can. I mean, I did check after the recording. It was still okay. But yeah, again, I just couldn't figure out what causes the corruption. So anyway, on that day, I really learned a lot from him and luckily I was taking mental notes so I still remembered the crux of his message and so I feel like it's such a real pity if I skip his episodes and it's quite unfair also because he had spent effort to cleverly explain the little bits of details about investing. So that's the topic, okay? For those of you listening, some of you might consider yourself financially literate which means that you know how to invest your money, how to put your money into certain medium or investment. But for some others, this may be a good introductory class to understanding why you need to start investing instead of just putting money in your banks and fold back your hands as if nothing will happen because something will definitely happen, (laughs) okay? Right, so let's start from the basic question. This is actually the first question that I asked to my speaker. His name is Stan, by the way. He's a professional financial consultant. He was from the Netherlands and he had worked in Indonesia for some time before he moved to other Southeast Asian countries and finally now settling in China. So anyway, I started a podcast asking him, why should we invest, right? We get our paycheck month to month. If you're an entrepreneur, then you made some money and why don't we just put it at the bank, right? It will give you interest. It's good enough. Or maybe some of you knows a little bit more, you put it on a time deposit in which basically you commit your money to saving in a bank for let's say six months or a year and then the bank will give you higher interest. But what we sometimes forget is that each year our economy is undergoing a certain inflation rate. Basically, it means that the stuff that you're buying today will cost you higher in the next future. I'm pretty sure you guys can relate. We used to buy things way, way cheaper back in our primary school than it is now. So essentially, our money today will be lesser and lesser as each day passes. So like in Indonesia, the inflation rate is at around 4 to 5%, whereas the interest rate in banks are usually much, much lower than that. And you also have to take into account that every month, some banks charge an administration fee. Like for Bank Central Asia, BCA, they charge at around 17,500 rupiah, which is around $1 and a couple of cents. In that regard, you can already realize that your money is actually being chipped away every month. Which is why you want to put your money into something else that could generate more income, right? So there are a lot of media for you to do that, such as properties, you know, real estates, houses, stocks, government bonds, or you can also put it in some trust or funds. So a fund is basically someone who pull in money from 
thousands and thousands of people and then invest it into one certain channel so there is let's say usually they have their own allocation they can also be investing on stocks for example they can also be investing on properties or real estate trust basically you're trying to generate enough capital for you to have more impact on the market you know because in the market the more money you have the more likely you can swing the trend like imagine if Warren Buffett puts one million dollar into a certain stock you can imagine the stock prices will rise exponentially and all of these media of course have their own risk and returns which is completely subject to your appetite I still remember on that day I asked Stan like a lot of people think investing in stocks is gambling and the way Stan answers is really interesting because he said Indeed, stock investment can be gambling if you are just putting your money there without knowing why you put your money in the first place. But if you actually can, to a certain extent, analyze the current performance of the company and be able to measure what kind of revenue that they are generating, whether it's sustainable and whether that company in the next 10 years will still be there in the market thriving, then it is quite common sense for you to invest in that company because you want to be part of their journey when they make profit then they will share it with you when you have a certain percentage of their shares which is why it is important for us to know the kind of investment incomes that we are exposed to whenever we place our money into a certain company before we go any deeper i'm just going to give you a little bit of a heads up that the discussion would be much more lean towards stock because i personally invest in stock and that's why i ask a lot of stock questions with stan hoping to get more insights and knowledge from him right so basically stan explained that there are four different types of income that you can expect from a certain company the first one is the easiest it's a capital gain so let's say you buy a stock at $1 and then you sell it at $2, then you make $1 capital gain. Hooray! But there are also other types. Dividends, which I did mention just now, is each quarter or each semester or each annum, a company will assess their total performance from one year and then they can know how much money they make and then they have to distribute to their shareholders, which in this case is you if you buy their shares. So for companies in Indonesia, usually those that are listed in LQ45 or considered as blue chips companies will tend to have more dividend percentage. And you can quickly count the percentage of your dividend towards your principal investment by just dividing the numbers, right? So let's say if you own $10 of a certain company stock and then you got like $1 in dividend, then that's actually 10%, which is actually pretty lucrative. <laughs> And then we go to the third one, which is tax return. So this again is dependent on the market and the country that you that the company you invested belongs. So sometimes the idea is the money you gain from overseas when transported back to Indonesia or transported back to the country you live in can have like a certain premium or certain advantage rather than you investing locally and then having to pay the taxes to your local bureau. But to my knowledge, this is very marginal, the difference. I don't think I've ever heard someone said, oh, I want to invest in Tesla because they are in the US and I will get some tax benefits from that. It's to me like an added bonus. I may be wrong. Please let me know if I am wrong. <laughs> 
And then the last of the list we have is the currency. Of course, if you invest in, let's say, NASDAQ or S&P, then you would be exposed to the currency exchange because in a sense, you are buying the stock in US dollars. Whereas your country, if you're like me, I'm using rupiah. Then there's also a certain benefit, but at the same time, risk involved in that. So all of these are the kind of rationales that you want to consider before you buy a company's stock. Because only in that sense can you confidently say that you're not actually gambling. You are making a very good educated bet on a certain company's performance. So this kind of analysis, usually in the investment world, we call it as fundamental analysis. But I'm just going to introduce you a little bit on technical analysis, which is something that I actually personally like. I'm not going to elaborate on it very long because in the real episode, I did not even... I did not touch on it that much as well. But yeah, let me add to this topic by saying that technical analysis is basically trying to figure out people's behavior based on past history. For those of you who have invested in stocks, you will know that every day the market will be represented by a certain chart, by a certain bars, which display the kind of movement that happened in that day. And from there, there are certain visuals, there are certain parameters that you can leverage to understand, okay, the market has gone down 50%, let's say, from its previous peak point. For example, company A has gone from $10 to $50 and now it's going down to $35. Then you would want to determine whether it is a healthy retracement, it is a healthy pullback because in the investment world, there's always this word of advice. The higher the stock price rises, then the steeper it will fall. So you will want to be really watchful of that. Don't just be in this euphoria. Oh my God, my stock just become 60% in one day. Well, it can really go down that much as well in the next day or even more. At least it did happen in Indonesia. So I hope that could answer why investing in stock can also be quite a safe choice. <laughs> I mean, there are way, way more volatile investment medium, such as Forex trade, or investing in, let's say, Bitcoin. <sighs> okay, I'm not going to talk about Bitcoin because it's such another whole subject. But to me personally, I think it's sort of a gamble. I believe in the idea of blockchain, but I don't believe in the idea of the value. What is the value of a Bitcoin today? Anyway, moving on, as I said before, you really want to double your money. You really want to make your money grow instead of relying on your primary source of income because only then could you be more at ease as each day you earn money while at the same time your earned money earns you more money. So it's a win-win. It's a good place to be. On the topic of making money out of money, let me add again my personal knowledge that I read somewhere is for you to apply the rule of 72, okay? The idea is you want to roughly calculate how much time you would need for your investment money to double its size. It sounds really exciting, right? If you invest $100, how long will it take until it becomes $200? So a very rough calculation would look like this. You want to count how much return you have in one year. Let's say you can make 10% in one year. Terrific. So you want to divide 72 by 10 which means that your money will double its size in 7.2 years. Wow, it's such a good news, right? <laughs> yeah, this is a good tip if you want to kind of gauge how much money you want to put in because ultimately you really want to start allocating some of your income into investment. And that is why it is important for you to start now, to start as soon as possible. The question is when, right? 
Stan gives another good quote, which he quoted from another cool guy out there. <laughs> I couldn't remember who he said the name is, but the quote sounds like this. The best time to invest in a stock is 10 years ago. The second best time for you to invest is today. Like if you think about it, now all the stocks are plummeting, like literally they are going downhill. Even all the good companies will face challenges right during this year because of the pandemic. So this is actually a very, very lucrative opportunity for you to enter the market right now because many of these companies will be undervalued at this point and which is why you really want to start analyzing which companies do you think would survive and would at the very least go back to its previous price point so if you see like a company that is a big one let's say it was at $50 and now because of the pandemic it is now priced at $13, $14 then just by blindly putting your money at $14 even though it might go lower 13 12 11 but if you trust this company that in the next two three years it will recover and go back to $50 it would mean that your money would easily be 300% more in the next three years and that is a very good dream right <laughs> but of course you have to work on your dream don't just blindly buy all the stocks that are currently underpriced right now because sometimes a company may never go back at all which is why you want to have some knowledge about analyzing financial report for example to know whether the company has been doing good with its money or if you don't have this knowledge you can always ask or consult with a consultant <laughs> or an expert so that you can understand this more and remember always know the reason why you invest don't just put it blindly otherwise you're just playing on a casino basically right you put money on a slot machine hoping that the slot machine will turn 777 and you get a jackpot this is a very important concept because in investing there really isn't like a lottery winning you want your money to start building slowly because as I mentioned, if it grows slowly, then it is much more stable. When it rises tremendously, then it could potentially tremendously fall as well. And then me and Stan touch on this point why a lot of people like to buy houses. They thought that houses is a safe bet. And it actually is a safe bet. In a lot of different countries, when you can afford yourself to buy a house, to buy a land, then the value will multiply after, let's say, 10 or 15 years. But one common misunderstanding is that when you purchase a house, you are not actually investing because if you live in that house, then at that point, it's not an asset, it's actually a liability. Because if you live in the house, First, you do, not you do not receive any rent and then you actually increase the chance for you to break something from the house and then you have to repair it, which means more money that you have to spend. So a house is only an investment if you build it for the sole purpose of renting it out or to resell it again. I think it is quite commonsensical at our age, at around 20s, buying one house before 30 years old is already in itself an accomplishment, a very big feat. So Stan actually advises that you can really just rent for the first 10 years of your life while using the extra money to start accruing more money, right? And then I asked some personal question to Stan. He was advising what kind of allocation that I put on my personal portfolio. So I told him that I think I put almost all of all of my savings into stocks because I myself have a higher risk appetite. But I did try to hedge 
to try to protect its value uh, by also investing on US dollar Indonesian rupiah because I found some correlation that could mitigate some certain losses from one or the other. But yeah, Stan was suggesting to me that I could consider investing in other international markets, just the US or any other market for that matter. But somehow he did not advise me to invest in China because it's quite an old market or heavily regulated one. But we're not going to be talking about politics here. So it, yeah, it's personally your choice. If you think you've done a good analysis that could justify why you want to invest in China or not, then do it. <laughs> Okay, anyway, I think I've been digressing. We were talking about right now, post-COVID, or actually we're not done with COVID yet. So we're still in the middle of recovering, and which means that there is still a window for you to enter the market and make some money from when the stocks recover. But anyway, Stan also explained the idea of an economic cycle, which is actually something that is very normal or recurring, which is the basic concept is that when economy is good, then people will be more and more willing to invest, to start businesses, and just do some positive economic activities, which will bolster or which will propel the economic return because everyone is going in the same direction. So this is called a boom, right? But if a boom always has its peak, when something starts to get saturated and then you start to see there is lesser and lesser return on a certain business, which will basically means that the next cycle to be introduced after a peak is a recession, is when an economy will fall, when things start to get awkward or when people get over-optimistic on a certain value or a certain asset. Like if you remember on 2008, there was this huge financial bubble on properties. People think that, okay, let's buy properties and keep buying, keep buying, keep buying until it is very much overpriced. And then it crashed, the bubble exploded and things started to be in chaos. So anyway, personally to stand our current condition or economy is in a perfectly normal state. Theoretically, if you just put your money and then wait it patiently in the next three or four years, then you will be fine. But the problem is a lot of us goes in panic when we see our stocks gone down, like let's say 20, 30 percent. It's like, holy crap, what should I do? I think there's two different realizations. First is in a good economy situation, then probably 20 to 30 percent is a signal for you to start cutting your loss but in a recession then you would want to keep it because if that money is not urgent then very much likely it will recover back to its normal price or potentially and hopefully even higher so that you could get your desired capital gain okay so i think that's basically it the rest is for you to allocate your money yourself what's the proportion how much you want to put for let's say insurance how much you want to put for urgent funds how much you want to put into stocks how much you put into let's say paying for your house installments and then finally what other kind of investment medium you want to try like gold or government bonds which tend to be more stable but the stabler it is usually the lesser the gain or the return so yeah, the purpose for me to conduct this episode with Stan is to instill this idea of really put your money in a place where it can grow instead of diminish. Because like what we have discussed early on in this episode, if you just put your money in the bank, it will gradually be chipped away by the inflation and also your bank administration fee. 
Hopefully this is something new and you can learn something from it. Again, I apologize that you could not listen to the actual conversation between me and Stan. It was really, really such a bummer. <sighs> I really should be more careful with my files the next time. Okay, so if you like this episode, let me know. Tell me, what kind of investment have you tried so far and how has it been for you? Bonus point if you've actually invested during this pandemic situation and how has it been so far? Have you actually made some money? Because for me personally, during the last three months, Indonesia stock market has been going pretty well from red to green. So I am happy. <laughs> I'm actually very happy. I can't wait for my money to grow and bloom and be even more and more. Amen. The ultimate goal here is still the same, we are preparing for the future but not only in terms of skill but in terms of our savings because when we can free ourselves from our physiological needs which can be fulfilled by money then we can have more room, more time and more concentration or dedication to learn the skills that matter. So actually investing is also an important part of personal development, which as I said, will contribute to your learning growth or learning curve. All right, so good luck, have a try and let me know how much you profit. If you want to give me commission, feel free to do so. <laughs> I hope you guys can learn one or thing from this. I'm a little bit nervous if I have said anything wrong because again, I'm not the expert. I just did invest for, I think right now, up to two years. And so on top of what Stan taught me in the episode, I also added some couple of knowledges here and there. I just sincerely hope that I did not misguide or misinform you in any sorts of matter. <laughs> Hope you like this episode. As always, I appreciate you guys listening. I wish you a good day, a good weekend, and an even better one ahead. Bye-bye.